Hey, lovely. If you're finding that you are struggling to push through all day to get the work done that you need, if you are finding that your brain is foggy, that you are unfocused, that you are lacking in productivity, and that you're now starting to criticize yourself for not being as effective as you can be, then this is the episode that I really want you to tune into. I have a very special guest that is going to come and tell me their story on becoming a neuropsychologist and their path into actually running their own business and what they focus on now, but then also some fantastic tips and strategies to boost your brain productivity. Hi, I'm Natalie Sisson, an entrepreneur, best-selling author, speaker, host of this untapped podcast, and a lover of handstands and dogs. I've spent over a decade building successful businesses I love and teaching others to do the same. I want to help you tap into your unlimited potential and make the income and impact you desire simply by being you. In fact, I'm on a mission to help 1,000 women earn at least $10,000 a month and contribute at least 1% of their revenue to causes that they truly care about so that together we can create a ripple effect in this world. So if that sounds like you and you're on board to learn how to make the mindset shifts you need to have the business success you want and the lifestyle that you desire, then this is the podcast for you. So Dr. Nicole Byers is a neuropsychologist, speaker, host of the Bold Life podcast and CEO of Rocky Mountain Neurosciences in Calgary, Canada. She has a PhD in clinical psychology from the University of Saskatchewan. She is an adjunct research assistant professor with the University of Calgary and she's published articles in professional journals on the topics of brain health and neuroscience. She calls herself an ambitious overachiever, a self-described neuroscience nerd, and a mum to one very opinionated preschooler who keeps her on her toes. What I love about Nicole is she helps folks overcome the mental habits that are keeping them stuck in self-doubt, overwhelm, and stress so that they can have the confidence to achieve success. And in this podcast, we talk all about her journey out of the public health system into running her own business so that she can make more income and impact in the ways in which she is monetizing her amazing skill set. And we also go into brain habits to boost productivity, why you need to stop pushing through your day, how multitasking makes you way less efficient, and how your mindset is hurting your health and what to do about it. So sit back, relax with your maybe herbal tea rather than a cup of coffee. This is your time to focus on you. Welcome, Nicole Byers. Welcome to the Untapped Podcast. Thanks for having me. It's so exciting to have you here. First off, I'm going to ask the one and only question, which is how do you tap into your potential and get paid to be you? So my background is in neuropsychology, which is basically a fancy word to say that I'm a psychologist who specializes in brain health. So I went to school for like a million years, a really, really long time. I didn't always know what I wanted to do, but kind of once I got to grad school, I had a pretty clear picture of what I thought I was supposed to do as a neuropsychologist. I'm here in Canada, and so our public health system, I think, is actually pretty similar to New Zealand, but I know it's different than a lot of other places in the world. And so kind of the message that I always got when I was in school is that you finish school, you get a job in the hospital, and you work in public health until you retire with a pension. And that's kind of what you do as a psychologist, right? So I worked really hard in school, went to school for a really long time and all the stars aligned. When I graduated, there was a new hospital opening up here in Calgary and I got 
at my time was my dream job, which was working on a hospital neuroscience team. And I was working with other healthcare providers to help folks who struggle with injuries to their brain or illnesses that could impact their brain health. And I was really happy at first, right? Like this was my dream job. I was like, yes, I worked so hard to get here. All of my skills and knowledge had been leading to this point. And then a few years in kind of like the five-year mark, I started to feel a bit off with my career. I wasn't like frustrated or sad at work. I had great colleagues and I had a great manager at the time and the clients and patients I worked with and the families were fantastic, but I felt a little bit lost. So I started to think a bit about what was going on for myself. And I realized that I'd kind of made it to my goal, right? I was in at the time, like my early mid thirties and I'd reached like my life goal of becoming a psychologist. And I was like, okay, so what next, right? What do I do? And so that point, kind of the only real idea I'd ever had was that I would work in a hospital, right? That's what psychologists do here in Canada as we work in hospital and we serve the public health system and I should be happy here for the rest of my life. Maybe I start teaching at some point, but that's kind of it, right? So I started to explore and talk to some of my colleagues and mentors who had done things a little bit differently. And in addition to having a public health system here, we also have a private health system, kind of a dual system. So there are some psychologists here who work in private practice. And so I transitioned after so many years in my dream job to working in the private sector, primarily initially with insurance companies and workers' compensation board, helping again, understand when folks have had injuries or illnesses to their brain, you know, what's going on for them? What recommendations can I provide to help them with what they're doing day to day? And again, I was kind of happy for a few years, right? Things were good. I was like, yeah, this is it. Like I figured it out. I moved into this new area. This is what I want to do. I'll just keep doing this for the rest of my life. Jump forward a couple of years. And once again, I'm feeling a little bit stuck and a little bit like, well, I don't know if I want to do this for the rest of my life. And for a number of reasons, kind of the work I was doing in the private sector wasn't super fitting with who I am as a person and the type of folks I want to work with for the rest of my life. So I started taking a lot of online business courses and listening to podcasts like this one and learning about how do I actually run a business? Because I definitely got no training on how to be a business leader or to run a business, right? Exactly. And so that's been kind of my journey so far and been a lot of learning. Mm, Very cool. And I also love how often throughout that intro, you said this is for the rest of your life. And it's kind of probably ingrained from when you were studying and in school, like this is your vocation for life. It's so frustrating that business isn't taught as any angle of any profession, because at some point, it is so useful for you to be able to do that, to go down a different path, take your skills and all that knowledge and progress into that. Even at university, I know on career days and things, it's never an option to go into entrepreneurship or to consider this. So really glad that you took that into your own hands. And then actually, I'd be really curious on two fronts. How did you sort of progress into what business it was going to be and what you were going to offer? But before that, how did your colleagues and your profession kind of take the news when you started talking to them about this or did you talk to them about it? Because I know another thing from a few friends who are academics and professors is there's a very fine line between being a professor and then kind of going out on your own and going into consulting and speaking and all those things. And it can be either deemed as really positive or kind of like, oh, we don't do that here. This is academia. Or I'm just wondering how that is in, in your profession and what support or feedback you got. 
Yeah, absolutely. That is the mixed message that I got. So kind of the message that I got all the way through school, including from my supervisors, all my teachers, people I really did respect who were doing great things was when you graduate, you work in public health. Like I said, some of that was around values and mindset. For example, things that we were told were the public health system has put a lot of money into your education. Here in Canada, our education is subsidized heavily by the government. So it is quite affordable to go to university. We don't come out of university hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. And so the message we get is actually the public is paying for your education. So it's your role to give back to them. Mm -hmm. You need to stay in public health care. That is what a good psychologist does, right? So that was kind of the core message I was getting. But thankfully, I had a couple of supervisors who had always done something a little bit different. And they had started to shift some of their own mindset around entrepreneurship and actually how psychology can provide such a bigger role and reach so many more people if we're not just stuck in this kind of this box of public health. Yeah, really interesting. It's almost like we'll subsidize you, but then you're indebted to us for life kind of attitude, which I get because not every single professional can leave the profession because then we'd have no doctors, you know, in the public service to help us. But for those few who are like, I want something more, or this can be, I can be reaching more, impacting more people, or there can be something more rewarding or aligned with the work, then it's great. So then how did you go about going, right, what the heck is my business going to be? Which sort of area? How do I want to niche or what do I want to become known for? What was that process? Just walk us through it because I'd just be fascinated to know. Yeah. So kind of the first place I started when I was first leaving public health is I knew a couple of psychologists who were working in the community. So I went to them first for kind of advice and some guidance on how do I actually do this? How do I start a business? What does this even look like in the community? Because even though the kind of the day-to-day of what my role is, I do primarily assessments, which is assessments of what are called cognitive or thinking skills, like memory, attention, problem solving. So that like that part didn't change, but kind of everything else around that was going to change. And there were so many potential avenues to focus on. So there is their insurance, you can work for insurance providers. You can work with, like I said, WCB. There is a whole part of this world that is medical legal assessments, people who've had accidents or injuries and involved legal system. Some of that was a bit of trial and error and finding where I really felt most comfortable. And then, like I said, so I was doing well with that for a couple of years. It's making money. Things are going good. And then I started to feel again, like I was in that rut. And so I started to do a lot of my own self-reflection and like I mentioned, online learning, taking a lot of courses on what am I really interested in? What am I really good at? And something that came up that I've always been interested in is in healthcare, a lot of the clients that were finding their way to my desk, there was a group that had injuries to their brain, right? They'd had a brain injury or they had some type of neurological problem an illness like dementia or something that was causing their memory problems. But there was this other half of people that were coming to my office and they were healthy. So the brains were doing a really good job. And then they would sit down in front of me, usually these younger individuals who have been excelling throughout their lives, the super hard workers, the people that run businesses or work in high level jobs and have three kids and they're balancing everything. And they're sitting here and they're telling me, Nicole, I can't remember anything. I'm like losing my phone 30 times a day. I'm like driving to the wrong place. Like, oh my gosh, something has to be wrong with my brain. And so 
what I started looking into more and really specializing more was how does our brain and our body interact? And how does some of those mental habits like overworking and perfectionism and holding ourselves to incredibly high standards, how does that actually impact our brain efficiency? And then working more one-on-one with those folks to develop some more effective strategies to get through their days. Yeah, brilliant. I love it. And so that's what you do now. You do that through one-to-one consultations. Do you have any, just talk people through anything else that you're offering? Like, have you gone down the route of courses and books and is that on the horizon? Just share with people sort of your big vision. Yeah. So I have started doing some online course work. That's always been my goal. I actually, I've always loved teaching. If I hadn't gone into healthcare, I would have stayed on the teaching role, but academia is a bit finicky and it wasn't really my thing to stay in the university, but I've always loved teaching. So I thought this would be a great way for me to reach more people. And so I have one course that I have offered. I have a couple more ideas in my head and what I would really love to do long-term. This was actually my goal a year ago. And then we had a pandemic and everything kind of changed, which is when I shifted my focus a little bit, but I really wanted to get into speaking and offering workshops. And one thing that I would love to be able to do, and I find that is really helpful for a lot of the clients I work one-on-one with is whenever I'm able to offer any group settings or that chance to connect and find like-minded people who are sharing those same struggles. It's so beneficial for us. I know I love being in groups where I can learn whether it's masterminds or accountability groups or courses and to be able to offer in-person workshops or retreats is something I would, I'm really hoping to get into in the future. I love it. Those are all the great things I was going to either suggest or see if you were doing because you're right. I think the switch into group coaching or programs offerings is so important because it allows people who might be in a similar boat with a different or unique problem, but to just to resonate and see and share with others, okay, I'm not the only person going through this or I'm not going crazy. Absolutely. And you can learn so much from each other. Plus it allows you as the one person you are to be able to scale and reach more people again, which is really, really neat. So let's dive into some of the things that you do actually work with people on and teach people on, which is what I love when we were chatting, you approached me and I was like, yeah, this is actually really important stuff. And we haven't covered it here on Untapped for a while. But if I think about being an eternal lifelong learner and looking at productivity and habits and energy and nutrition and sleep and all those things that go towards making us the most productive, effective human beings we can be, there's just so many factors going on. So I'd love to talk to you about some brain habits that you work with your clients on to boost productivity especially for those of us who just tend to be pushing through the day, not taking breaks, kind of getting into that low energy zone, still trying to work at our best and probably doing ourselves a real disservice in the process of doing that. So what are some of your top tips for actually boosting productivity that we probably just need to be doing right away that might even bust some myths around what we think is possible? Yeah, great question. When it comes to productivity and your brain kind of the most important thing to keep in mind is that your brain only has so many resources, right? It has limited resources that it can use every day. And everything that you do is draining some of those mental resources from those small decisions that you have to make to those really big tasks that you have to do. So when we're talking about productivity, we want to make sure that we're using those resources kind of to their best ability, right? Because we have a finite amount. We're only given so many of them. And we really want to, one, start from a full cup and then to use those resources the most effectively. One thing you mentioned that I think is a great thing to talk some more about is that 
belief that we have often that we should just keep pushing through. And when it comes to your brain, that's really not a great strategy for productivity. And I get where, why we think this is going to be helpful, right? I think if I just sit here and keep working, I'm going to get this done, right? Like if I don't get up from my desk all day until this thing is done, I'm going to blast this project out and I'm going to get more done. But in reality, your brain can only stay focused for about 60 to 90 minutes. If you're sitting there working on something for longer than 60 to 90 minutes, your productivity starts to go down. Your thinking's not as efficient. Your resources are starting to get used up. And we've all probably noticed that before, right? We've been working all day. We're starting to feel sluggish, like you mentioned, tired. We're not as quick. It's taking longer to do things. And so that strategy of just putting in more hours actually can really work to our detriment, as counterintuitive as it may seem. No, it does kind of seem counterintuitive sometimes, but when I think about it, the more breaks that I take and the more periods of rest that I have, far more productive and focused I am in the smaller moments. And I literally, before this podcast, as I said, I was doing an implementation co-working session with my 10K club, and we went off to do a 25-minute Pomodoro session. Because in that 20 to 25 minutes, you're so focused on one thing, you block out all the other things, and you can get so much done. That's actually really great quality work. Had we just sat on that call for a whole hour, I can guarantee you we would have other things would have distracted us. We would have maybe mm-hmm. multitasked. We would have different screens and tabs open up. Maybe somebody interrupted us, etc. But when you just have these smaller pockets for focusing, I find that so much more effective. And also right now being pregnant, I'm noticing just how much little one is taking all the goodness and all the nutrients and everything out of me. So from a focus point of view, I'm actually doing pretty well, but I've definitely noticed uh, less motivation, I guess, around things like just this desire to chill more and to take more time out and to really just be there because they are taking so much more of my cognitive load and power away from me. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And I know I mentioned earlier, one of the areas I focus a lot in in my patient work and my clinical work is that brain body connection. And that's a great example is when our bodies are struggling or have any changes in our health. So it can be a positive change like pregnancy, or it can be a health issue, or it can be even something like getting a bad night's sleep. All of those things are taking up brain resources. My brain is going to be sending energy, like you said, sending nutrients, sending all of that good juice to healing my body or growing that little one or whatever my body is focusing on. Low priority for my brain are things like focusing on what I'm doing, remembering where I put my phone, paying attention to that thing that I need to pick up from the grocery store on the way home. Those are less priority for your brain. So less resources left over. So when we have changes in our health, it's important to keep that in mind too, is that we're probably starting from a little bit lower reserve in terms of our thinking skills and to give ourselves a little bit of grace and some space with that too. Yeah, hundred percent, which leads me into my next question, which is around your mindset that might be hurting your health. So for those of us who are perfectionists, or we're constantly doubting ourselves, or we're our biggest inner critics, all the things I talk about in Suck It Up Princess is the book. How is that actually potentially hurting our health and especially our mind health or our brain power? Yeah. So again, it really comes back to that idea of brain resources. So if on the back of my mind, I am struggling with doubt, I am constantly criticizing myself, even if it's just at the back of my mind, you know, those nagging thoughts of I'm not good enough, or I'm not smart enough, or I need to do this better, or I need to do this, or here's what I should be doing right now. All of that is pulling away those mental resources. Again, draining those resources from what I actually want to focus on. And often, like you said, that can actually have an impact on our physical health 
as well. In psychology, we talk about this concept of what's called somatic symptoms. What these symptoms are, they are physical symptoms that your body develops in response to stress and pressure. For example, if you are like me and you hate traffic and you ever notice that you're stuck in rush hour and all of a sudden you're gripping your steering wheel really tight and your shoulders are creeping up to your ears and you're clenching your jaw really tight, those are all your body's signs that your brain is under stress and pressure. And it can work the same way when we're struggling with doubt and overwhelm and our inner perfectionist and our inner people pleaser, all of that creates stress on our body and our mind. And so our body can react physically to that stress tension. I mentioned stomach problems are another really common example. If you notice all of a sudden your stomach's doing backflips and you're feeling sick all the time and you're feeling like not optimal digestive health, that could be a sign of some of that, that mindset really playing a role. Headaches are another really common example of our brain kind of getting to that point of almost burnout where it's saying, this is too much. There's too much going on. I'm going to force you to pay attention to what's going on and take a little bit of a backseat and a break. Yeah. And so just for people who are noticing that, what do you suggest that they do? Like what are the inbuilt, I guess, triggers or noticings where we can stop ourselves and take a break? Because I think as humans, that's the hardest thing is going easy on yourself, noticing that and catching it before it's too late, before you're in road rage or before you're passed out on the floor or before you hit burnout. And yeah. as somebody who's been through mild burnout twice, it just blows my mind that I even got through it a second time when I should have known better. So we're really hard on ourselves and we don't pay enough attention. So what are some of the things you work with your clients to notice and tackle before it becomes an issue? How can we just be better without looking after our brains and bodies? Yeah, great question. I find often we're a lot better at noticing signs in our bodies before we notice signs in our mind. It is really easy to ignore all that stress and worry and that hamster wheel running in the brain, right? Our thoughts come so fast and sometimes they're really hard to catch. So often that first sign that something's not going the way it's supposed to in terms of your brain or body health are those physical signs in our body. And so something even as relatively simple as starting a five to 10 minute daily practice of where you sit quietly by yourself, tune in to your body, notice, okay, where am I feeling that tension today? Or am I feeling any tension? How is my body moving. If you've ever, anyone who does yoga practices, this is a really common component, kind of a body scan, any type of meditation practice often involves this type of tuning into your body. And the more we learn to pay attention to our body signs that we're getting close to that limit, the earlier we can pick them up before, like you said, it gets to that point where I am like cursing under my breath at everyone that's passing me on the road. And I'm like leaving divots in my steering wheel and I can't chew tomorrow because my jaws so tight. Right. Yeah. And so even just becoming aware of what our own body's cues are. I know shoulders are my go-to. If I notice my shoulders are up here and I pay attention to that, I'm like, okay, that's a sign that my brain is under stress. And I focus on dropping my shoulders. Yeah. Beautiful. I think mine where I could catch it on videos and I haven't seen it as much lately, probably because I'm more relaxed and been in a pretty stress-free zone, especially with a little one. I just want to be in that state and pass the goodness on to him. But is I was often doing like this sort of like yeah, wriggling. I could see that I was trying to get mm. energy dissipated to different areas of my body. And I'd be like, a shoulder would come up or I'd brush past something. And it just was, I'd catch it in a video going, what are you doing? So just, yeah, sometimes seeing those triggers is really, really important. I'm curious about, to sort of finish up, for the listeners here who almost 
become a little bit addicted to stress and that busyness and ignore those signs because they almost are fueled by like the busier I am or the more stressed I am, it kind of forces me to do more and I feel like I'm getting stuff done. What advice do you have for them? Because I do see a lot of people who do that and they can see how they're hurting their body and their mind and how it's affecting every element of their life. But there's something that has kind of got them addicted to being in that fast moving pace of somehow it's almost like linked to a pleasure by being in pain. Do you have any advice for people? Right. Or how do you get around that? Because I do see it as quite a common thing and it really pains me that, that people aren't willing to stop and take time to care for themselves. Yeah, that's a great point. I think part of the difficulty there is that there are some social factors at play and that we're given this message that busy is a good thing, right? Even something like multitasking. I was talking about this today with someone, how many times we see on things like job postings, like must be excellent multitasker. And it like super fires me up because actually our brains can't multitask. It's nonsense. It's really inefficient for us to try and do two things at once. And you're right. It creates this kind of culture or this belief that we should be go, 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 go all the time. And we get use of this fast paced life. And it can be hard to get out of that mental habit and start to slow down because if my belief or my value is I need to be going all the time, often the counter belief there is if I relax, then I'm being lazy or I'm not working hard enough, or I'm not good enough. And it can be a hard shift to challenge that. One way I like to suggest is this one works really good for anyone who has young kids, or if you run a team is to think about what am I modeling with this behavior? This one works great for me. I have a four-year-old daughter. And so when I am starting to work really long days or like mommy sitting at the table working all day and she's trying to get my attention to think to myself, what am I modeling for her about what it means to be successful? Do I want her to have healthy boundaries with work? And I do, I want her to be able to have balance and pursue her dreams. Or if you don't have kids, like I said, if you run a team, it works great for them too. What do I want my team to be able to do? Do I want them to be burning out? No, I don't want them to be burning out. So I shouldn't be modeling this Mm. to them because it can be really hard for us to change ourselves. But when we take it outside of ourselves of what do I want to show these important people in my life, that makes it easier to make that shift. Yeah, I really love that. And, you know, hopefully you'll be able to apply it to yourself and say, I'm worth it because I'm with it and I have these boundaries and it's totally great for me to be relaxing or taking time out because I know that actually makes me better, more effective, healthier, all those good things. So thank you so much for sharing that. I know you have a whole productivity sort of checklist or guide that people can actually dive into. So where is the best place to one, find that, and two, to thank you for coming on the show today and sharing some of these awesome tidbits and also about your journey, which I think is such an important one and just super thrilled with the work that you've been put out there in the world to do. Thank you. Probably best place to find me is my website. It's drnicolebyers.com. You're right. I have a new resource up there. It's just new, brand new this week. It's called your daily productivity checklist. So you can find it. There's a link on my website. If you just go to drnicolebyers.com forward slash checklist is the quick link to get there. But I walk you through how I set up my day for success at work. And actually the morning routine that I do the night before, because I'm not a morning person. I've never been a morning person. And now with little ones at home, I'm even less of a morning person. And so for me to start my day with success, I actually need to plan in advance. And I explain in this workbook why this is actually a really great strategy for your brain, because then when you get to your desk the next day, you can kind of hit the ground 
running makes maximum use of the time of day when your brain is at its freshest, when it has those most mental resources and how to really structure your day for success and productivity. Yeah, beautiful. I love it. I'm looking forward to diving into that myself. Thank you so much for being here on the show. And yeah, really looking forward to seeing what people take out of it and how they go forward to maximize, as you said, both your brain, your body and your soul so that we are operating on this level that feels really, really good to us and aligned, which was something that came out of a lot of your first conversation about where you're at in your career. So just always feeling aligned with what you're doing because we deserve to be having fun on this earth and making an impact at the same time. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So I really hope you enjoyed that interview, that discussion with Nicole. I know we could dive into a lot more, but I was really trying to find that balance between the path from a profession into entrepreneurship and all the things that you sort of have to deal with in doing that, as well as her amazing experience in having healthier, more productive brains, bodies, and souls. So just as a reminder, if you head to Dr. Nicole Byers, that's B-Y-E-R-S dot com forward slash checklist. She's got that daily productivity checklist there for you. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend, a friend who's maybe close to burnout, a friend who is one of those people that I described to the end of our interview, who's kind of addicted to the pain of being stressed all the time or running around like a headless chicken and thinking that they're actually doing themselves something really beneficial in their life when they're clearly not. If you have a friend that needs to hear this or a friend who's wanting to switch from a pretty public profession into their own business, again, great episode to share. So wherever you're listening to this, maybe just send them the link and say, hey, tune into Natalie's Untapped Podcast and listen into this episode. I would greatly appreciate that. Other than that, I hope you have an amazing week ahead. You truly tap into your potential and you continue to work on getting paid for your awesomeness and just by being you.